Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today, you get to listen to a conversation I had recently with a returning guest, Lynn Finley. Lynn has worked with grieving families for over 30 years. After losing her daughter in 1989, she started a resource and referral service for grieving families. And soon after, she began providing personalized aftercare solutions for hundreds of funeral homes across the nation. Lynn is now an aftercare specialist who has created, facilitated, and coordinated hundreds of workshops, services, and support groups. As a Christian lay counselor, Lynn's highest honor is to enter people's lives and help make a difference. I asked Lynn to join me in discussing the beginning of Isaiah 61.3 of God turning our ashes into a crown of beauty, what that means and what it looks like for us as bereavers. And I'm happy and honored to share with you now my talk with Lynn Finley. Well, hi, Lynn. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you back on. Oh, thank you, Laura. I'm glad to be here. For those of our listeners who may not have heard you before because you have been on with me before, would you please start out by sharing Aubrey with us and what happened to her? Oh, thank you. Yes, I'd love to. Um, So Aubrey was born um, with a lot of different problems. This was in 1989. And the doctors had told us that most anything that was wrong with her can probably be fixed. And obviously when she was born, nothing could be fixed. And so two hours and nine minutes later, she died. Mm. Um, and from there, as you would imagine, throw us, throw us into this um, bereavement yes. world that nobody ever wants to, to go into. And, and there, there's just a whole story of no support and, you know, all kinds of things. So that, that, that's my loss. And I say that the work that I've done since then is, is, is her legacy. Yes. But yeah, for sure. For sure. So this was 1989. So how many years ago does that? I'm not good at the 32 years. And I I keep track of the years because my niece is the same age that she would have been and she just turned 32. So. So you have been on this journey for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, it's amazing to me, you know, that two hours and nine seconds. I mean, just knowing the exact second that she took her last breath. And just those things just stay with us for the rest of our lives, don't they? Well, yeah. And how it can really impact a life. You know, it's like my life just went into a completely different direction that I never would have imagined. Mm. Oh, exactly. I would have imagined what it would have been like to lose a child. I mean, I, to me, it was like, it was unheard of that babies died. It was like, how did, how did I not even know this was a possibility? So yeah, she was your oldest, right? Your first. Yeah. She was my first child. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, two hours, you had two hours, I had 29 years and yet it was life-changing for yes. all of us, yes. all of us. Now I have asked you to join me in talking about the beginning of the verse in Isaiah 61, three, where we are told <clears throat> that God will give us beauty for ashes. And, you know, when I think about this, I think this verse might be really hard for some of us because our child's body is now literally ashes. And deciding whether our child would be buried or cremated, that's not something any of us think about when having children, is it? No, not at all. No. Yeah. Now, was Aubrey buried or? She was. And okay. and that's something to share, too, is that when, when she did die and they told us we needed to call a funeral home, this is how in shock I was. I was like, 
why do we need to call a funeral home? I mean, believe it or not, that was, mm, that was my uh-huh. thought. I'm like, well, why are they telling us this? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just something that you never know. You can never know what it is unless you experience it. Right. Right. And speaking of experience, I got to experience something for the first time this past December, and it's on this topic of ashes, <laughs> and we'll, we'll go into the scriptural part in a little bit, but it's something that you have been a part of numerous times, which is having a burial at sea Yes, with the ashes of our loved ones. And it was such just a sacred, it was painful, but it was just a beautiful thing to watch and be part of. And it was a real honor. Can you share with our listeners, tell them what I'm talking about here? Oh, uh, yes. On the, the grief cruise, we give our um, our guests an opportunity to bury their loved ones' remains at sea. Now, when I say that, you know, they have they can take some of the cremains and put them in what's called a water-soluble biodegradable urn. And, and it's just so healing to, to be able to do that. You know, different people who have participated it through with it through the years have been for different reasons, whether it been that that's what they always wanted to do was bury their loved one at sea, or it just seemed that that was the right thing to do because they were going on the cruise. But I have to tell you, and I might have told you this before, I've done so many things and in, in outreach with, with families for so many years, and that burial at sea to me is the most special thing that I've ever been a part of, you know, just, just in, the, in the fact that you've got this beautiful ocean around you and you have the opportunity to, you know, take your loved one. You know, we always have music or a poem or something is Mm -hmm. said and it really is sacred, you know, and it's, it's sacred that, you know, the ship captain is, is usually has been a part of it. It's, it's special because they actually know exactly where we disperse the cremains so that the, the families who participate in that get a certificate with their loved one's name on it, saying Mm -hmm. it's the exact coordinates of where they are. So, I mean, it just really is. And I'm so happy that you got a chance to to experience that with us. Oh, it was precious. And they they led us to a part of the ship. Nobody else was there. It's not like you had gawkers. It was very intimate. It was just, like I said, it just felt very sacred. It was just very precious to be a part of that. So I I wanted our listeners to hear that. And we'll talk about the cruise at the very end. (laughs) So just piquing everybody's interest there with the topic here. So let's go ahead and move away from the actual ashes. And let's look at what this verse means. This verse in Isaiah is talking about ashes, that he will give us beauty for ashes. Now, I see ashes as our wounds, like how we feel like life is over for us when our child dies. And as I was reading through some of the versions, one version even says sorrow. He will give us beauty for our sorrow. And I know most of us are, it's like we feel like we have nothing to live for after our child dies. Even if we have, now Aubrey was your first, Becca was my first, but she died at 29. I had four other children. I had two grandchildren at the time, but we just don't want to be here. We can't see ourselves ever living without our child here with yeah. us, much less enjoying life again and having beauty, can we? No, no. I, There's no comfort in all of the other things that that are in your life when you lose a child. You know, all the things that normally you, you would be comforted by, yes. it seems that initially there is no comfort in any of that. And, and it feels like, you know, why don't I just close my eyes and not be here? You know, that would just take this pain away. And there's, it's just undescribable unless you've experienced it. 
Right. And even then you can't describe it. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, still indescribable. Right. <laughs> right. yeah. The only way to know is unfortunately to to be in that place. I, I like how you said that there that there's just no comfort in anything or anyone around you, which even I think even to ourselves in our heads, that doesn't make sense because I think our heads know we have things to live for, people to live yes. for, but our heart just can't reconcile that, can we? No, as I was going to say, it's your heart. Your head can try and tell you whatever it needs to tell you, but it's your heart that's aching. And I don't know for you, I my heart physically hurt. Mm-hmm. I can remember telling my husband, my heart hurts. And when I said that, I meant that my heart physically hurts in addition to you know, the emotional pain. There's just there's just nothing like it. And yeah, sometimes and they- you feel like you're being swallowed up in it. Yes, yes. And I, you know, after Becca died in in starting to just learn about some of this, because yeah, I Becca was the first death in our family, immediate death of anything. So I had no grid of any kind of grief, not that it would have helped when it came to, you know, my child, but I just, I had no grid at all. And I remember looking up and finding out that there really is, I mean, there are medical terms for, for the broken heart syndrome. Yeah, yes. That it's it's a real true thing. And it seems to affect women more than men, but mm-hmm. it's a real true thing. And it's like one side beats differently than the other side and it causes pain. And yeah, so most of us don't need to get checked out, but it doesn't hurt. We always <laughs> recommend it, that. Because it, it is a real thing. We, yeah, mm-hmm. we always recommend that, that first six months after a major loss to, to at least get check in with your, your physician or your family care provider, what have you, it's just, uh, just, it's recommended to do that anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, literally our immune system is compromised. All kinds of crazy things happen in our body. So you're not losing your mind. If you, (laughs) if you feel like you're falling apart, your body probably is literally falling apart. So yeah, going to a doctor and getting that checked out is very helpful. And I know along the years I've heard it said, I died too. They just forgot to bury me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, some of our listeners will be familiar with Ash Wednesday, which is not just a sign of repentance, but it's a reminder of Genesis 319 that we came from dust and we will return to dust. And ashes were a sign of mourning in the Old Testament times. They would put ashes on their head or sit in ashes. And we read about people in the Bible who did this. Some of them I think about are Daniel when the Israelites had been in captivity for a long time, Tamar, when she was raped by her stepbrother and left with no hope for her future to become a wife or a mother. There was Joshua, when the people were in a war and they were losing this war and their men were dying, he sat, you know, put ashes on his head and cried out to God. And Job, (laughs) there was Job who lost all 10 of his children in a windstorm when the house they were in collapsed on them. And I'm sure they all questioned God. Where was God in their place of darkness and the place of their shattered hope, their broken dreams? Linda, did you struggle with where God was when Aubrey died? How did that affect your relationship with God? I really don't think it affected my relationship with God. What it did is it made me wonder, what did I do wrong that caused this to happen? I mean, I clearly remember thinking that because I always felt like I had a relationship with God. So that Mm -hmm. was already in place, but I felt like, okay, God, what did I do? What could I have done differently? And I think most people think that, you know, the Mm -hmm. would have, should have, could have, but that, that was one of my main thoughts early on was I, it really bothered me as to what, what is it that I did in my life that made this happen? And 
but I do feel that, you know, it was hard to feel that God was there all the time. Whereas I might've prior to that just took for granted that he was there. And it's not so much that I, I wondered if he was there or not. I more wondered about why the whys of it. Yes. Why did, why did he let this happen? Why, why me? Why my child? Why not me? That was another Mm -hmm. question. You know, like you said, you like to do part of you dies when your your child dies. It was like, why would you, why would you take her instead of me? I mean, I've Mm -hmm. lived this life up until this point. So yeah, there's those kinds of questions for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything, how did you end up resolving that? I mean, do you still ask why? Did you just finally get to the conclusion that that was just, you're not going to get the answers. And so why keep <laughs> tormenting well, yourself? I, I, that's a good question. You know, I came to a lot of conclusions as far as questions and answers. You know, I, I, I think that for me, I found that I can continue to ask questions. And even if, even if God himself, I think came to me and said, this is why this mm-hmm. happened. I might probably say why. Yeah, and exactly. I think it's the same thing. You know, I think it's the same thing when we were told exactly why she died, exactly what was wrong. And after going through that whole process of trying to find all that out, and it's very clear what it is, it, I still said, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think when I look back on that, I really feel that it's one of those things and you hear this, that, you know, when you look back, I know that God was walking right beside me through that. Mm-hmm. You know, even though there were days that it was so bad that he was really there. And I did come to a point, and there's a long story behind this, but I did some work with, I don't know if you ever heard of transformational prayer. Um, uh, yes, did, yes. I'm just now starting to <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, study out some program. of that stuff. It's just a wonderful program to go through. And I, I think it was through that. And that was only probably within the last five years because I still struggled with, you know, her anniversary. There were still times that, you know, I felt really that deep sadness. And I went through this transformational prayer. And what I got out of that, and again, this is God speaking to me, is that Aubrey is right where she was meant, where she's meant to be. You know, she mm-hmm. didn't miss her birthdays on earth. She's, yeah. she's in something much more glorious. You know, like when I would think, oh, she's not here, another birthday or a graduation. And mm-hmm. and since that, since I heard those words spoken to me that she's right where she's meant to be and that she's safe and that, no, I'm the one that's missed, you know, what she's experiencing yes. that I hope to get someday. And so, and so from that day forward, there has been no, um, that deep, like, because I've resolved that, like, yeah, she's with God. She really, truly, I mean, although I knew that, Laura, I yes, know that I, yeah. mm-hmm. I had to come to, I, it, it's almost like the transformational prayer helped me to hear that from God. Mm, yeah. And that was a really. Hear it in your heart once again. Exactly. And to just that affirmation that, yes, that's, and no, it's not sad on her birthday. And, you know, I know she's not going to be here for another birthday, but it's, it's, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's glorifying where she is and mm-hmm. it's better than, than here. Yeah, you know, I lately I've been thinking about, you know, because you talked about because that question of why, why not me? Why aren't, why didn't you leave her and take me? And when you think about it in a way that's saying, why didn't you let me go to glory first? Why didn't you let me meet you face to face first? Why didn't you let me live in perfection and, you know, no more of this crappy world? Why didn't you let me get out of here first? (laughs) I mean, really, when you think about it, as as deep as that pain is, and we want them here with us, when we ask that question, you know, God, she was so young. Why not? You know, my dad struggled with that, because he had lived a very full life, he was ready to go. And, you know, it was like, why, why my granddaughter, she was only 29. Why couldn't I go first? And that's yeah. really, you know, why didn't why didn't you leave my child here in this crappy world and take me? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> go through COVID and all of those things. So, I, know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. So it is a lot of it is just perspective that it doesn't matter how much we hear it. It has to be our own revelation, doesn't it? Where all yes, of a sudden does. something just clicks and it makes sense and our heart can receive it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and you, know, you can't tell somebody how you get to that. No, you know, I know that mm-hmm. working with families for so many years, so many times I've been asked, just tell me what I need to do, what I need to think, how, mm-hmm. how I need to approach this, so that I can get to this point. And it's like, I wish that I could. Yeah. Some you know formula. Nope. Yeah. There is no for I said, the only thing I offer to you is to walk alongside you. Exactly. That's all I have to offer to you. This is, this is what you have to do in your own right and in your own time. And, and that's just how this works. And I can't tell you how long that's going to take. I wish I could. Yeah, I just Mm -hmm. can't but just know that that, you know, I'm here for you for as long as you need that support. Yes. Yeah. Which is really what people need, Laura, you know, that Mm -hmm. they need that person that walks alongside them and, and can listen to them and be there. Yes. Even if it's sit in silence, it's just they just need Mm -hmm. that support. Exactly, exactly. I was uh, emailing back and forth with a mom last week, and she shared a song with me that she said she could no longer sing, because it talks about God's faithfulness. And, you know, that whole feeling of God let me down. He betrayed me. You know, I've always prayed over my kids and my child died anyway. And one thing that I shared with her is that to me, God's faithfulness here on earth isn't to keep anything bad from ever happening to us. He's not a genie in a lamp. He's not a golden ticket to a good life here. But his faithfulness is to get us through whatever comes our way including that suffocating darkness of grief after the death of our child. When those ashes, they don't stay forever, do they? They don't. They don't stay forever. I mean, you can remember that they're there. You can, you you know, you can remember all of the, the deep feelings that went along with it. But I think we get to a point where we don't see it as, you know, those ashes are just there, a pile of pain and sorrow. Um, yeah. And move, move from that. And, and it, it is possible. And, it's just a matter of how people decide to to deal with it or reconcile, whatever the words are. And like you said, mm-hmm. you can't really describe what that is that actually happens. It just it just happens for people. Um, you know, if they're 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 grieving in a healthy way and they're they have someone that they can share that with and they do you know healthy things that, that can help them along the way, then that that's how we get there. But what that is for each of us is very different. Sometimes I picture it kind of like a child who's been told no by dad and they don't like that and they're throwing their little temper tantrum (laughs) and they're just beating their fists and screaming and kicking and dad just scoops them up and just holds on to them while they're kicking and screaming and pounding their fist into dad's chest. And eventually that child just wears up and gives out Mm -hmm. and just like falls limp into their dad's arms. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that's kind of what it is. We just finally get to the point where it's like, I just, I can't fight this anymore. I can't keep fighting the wise and demanding answers. And, and you just kind of give up and start receiving God's love and start even having that glimpse of hope that maybe I can still have beauty in my life. Yeah. Maybe I can have good things in my life again. I couldn't see it before, but maybe that's possible. Was there like a time when you felt like you started getting those glimpses of hope that maybe there could be meaning and purpose in your life still with Aubrey not here? Yeah, you know, I got involved that, you know, we went to a support group for parents that lost a child and it was for specifically for parents that lost a child, newborn, SIDS, and then miscarriage and stillborn death. 
And at first I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to this support group. This is not, I'm not going to be telling, you know, strangers what's going right. on and all this and stuff. And I think that well, thought too, it's like, I don't belong here. I shouldn't yeah, belong yeah, here. I didn't, didn't want to yeah. be in that right. group. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I think for me, the turning point, well, there was a couple of turning points. You, know, you talk about just, you know, just collapsing into just the most awful abyss that you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And I, I still in my, to this day, I have the, the, the vision that's imprinted in my mind that I had been sitting in my kitchen and my mother died a year before Aubrey died. Mm. And when she died, we had ordered this, this like heart wreath thing, floral thing for her um, funeral service. And I had taken that home and it was still hanging up on the wall in my living room and it wow. was all dried up. It wow. was just sitting on okay. the wall in my living room. Mm -hmm. And I specifically remember this particular day that I sat there and I looked at that thing and I just, I just literally fell to the table, mm. just sobbing, like, oh my God, I'm like, what do I, how, I, how am I going to live through this? Mm. And I felt like, no, I needed to pick myself up from that table. And I realized in that moment that I needed more help than what I thought I did. Mm. And so that's when I gave into okay, I'm going to really embrace this group. I'm going to really get involved with listening and maybe seeing if I can find some information about what is going on with, with grief and what this grief thing is. And so for me, that was the turning point is actually being with other people that were sharing what their experience was so that I didn't feel like there was something wrong with me because right. I felt I was doing it all mm -hmm. wrong. I felt like, you know, I was just a pile of, of grief every single day. And, and mind you, in the midst of all that, i I washed clothes. I cooked dinner. Mm -hmm. I did all these kinds of things. And I autopilot. Remember, well, you know, with the <laughs> autopilot, here's yeah. the thing. When I had that moment of just, you know, pile of grief, I could not remember for the life of me being down in my basement, washing clothes for four months. Like mm. there, I didn't have uh -huh. that one yep. thing. And I know I must've washed clothes, mm -hmm. but I don't remember. I mean, it's almost like right, I just, right. that whole first four months was just a complete blurb. I couldn't tell you. I knew I cooked dinner, but I couldn't tell mm -hmm. you that I had any memory or recollection of how, right. when, what, or what have you. And, and so for me, that was, I think pretty much the turning point is realizing that I needed more help than what I was actually going to get just me, myself and I kind of thing, you know, or I wasn't going right. to get that help with Bob, which is a whole nother subject too, is that, you know, he was concerned about, about me, but yet he was going to work every day, you uh -huh. know, and, and he would come home and he'd be telling me about his work day. And I think once we started, learning more about grief, he learned that he had to come home and ask me, did you think about Aubrey today? Mm. And you know, there was many days that I would say, yeah, I did. And this is what I thought of, but just by him starting to come yes. home and ask about how was it today for you? How was mm -hmm. it? With what were you thinking about today? And then there were days I didn't need to do that. So I think that was starting my road to a long road <laughs> to, right. to, to finally feeling again that, you know, life can be good and that there's happiness and and that I can, you know, my joy and my, my grief can coexist. You know, we talk about that all the time, you know, that right, joy yes. exists. And so that was the whole process after that point of learning how is my joy and grief going to coexist? That's, that's work. That's the grief work. It, right oh there. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it does sound impossible when we're in that pit and in that, yeah. like you said, pile of grief, it, it just seems absolutely impossible, but God didn't reach his limit with you. He didn't reach his limit with me. He has not reached his limit of bringing beauty for ashes in the lives of anyone who's listening, has he? No, he hasn't. And I, that, like I said, I think when I look back, I know that God was there every step of the way. 
might mm-hmm. not have felt it in the midst yes. of it, but looking back, it's it's like, no, he did not forsake me. And I, and he was there and that comforts me. Mm-hmm. Like even now it comforts me to, it just reaffirms what, what I believe and what I, you know, what my faith has always been. And that, that's, that to me is heartwarming. Like, wow, he really was there. He really right. Was. Right. And I, I think of that footsteps poem that yeah, yeah. he was carrying me. I I <laughs> I wasn't doing any walking, you know, realizing that That's he right. was carrying me to get me where I am now. I want to call attention to the fact that in this verse, we're not told that God will bring beauty from the ashes, but that he will give beauty for the ashes. It's almost like a trade-off. It's like we give him our darkness, our pain, our anger and confusion. And in return, he gives us the peace we need, the hope we need. He gives us the good things we didn't even expect or know was even possible. It was interesting. One version actually said that he will give us gladness instead of grief. But I think sometimes, like you said, a lot of times it's more of a coexisting. I I see like my grief with Becca, almost like an undercurrent at this point. It's, it's always there or, or a chronic pain. It's just always there. It's just, it's not top of mind. And there are times where it comes to the surface and I feel it that just, I feel it. (laughs) I'm I'm that puddle of grief again on triggers. I hit that uh, Becca died at 29 and this past year, I'll probably tear up now, she would have been 40. Oh, wow. That makes it sound like she's been gone forever. Yeah. You know, it was only, it's only been 11 years. It'll be 12 years in, in a couple of weeks. But going from 29 to 40, I mean, that 40 is just a milestone. I was just, it was really hard on me this year. Yeah. You know, there are going to be moments where that current just rises up and becomes this gushing <laughs> thing again. And then it goes back to being that undercurrent where, you know, I, I think sometimes it's, it's almost terrifying for us to think, what if I, what if I forget, I don't want to stop thinking about my child. I don't want to stop. Uh, I don't want to lose the memory of them, which you and I know is absolutely impossible to do. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, did, do, do I think of when Becca was alive, was she in my mind every minute of every day? No. She wasn't. And so why should I feel guilty that she's not in my mind every moment of every day now that she's not here with me on earth? And so, you know, to, to release that, I I don't think about my children 24 seven. I don't. (laughs) And so you're not being a bad parent when your child passes that they're not in your mind and thoughts every moment of every day. Right. You're, not you're not being... dishonoring their memory. You're just, exactly. You're, just, you're not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when God says that he's going to give beauty for the ashes, you know, and I, I was talking about how, especially in the Bible times or Ash Wednesday, you know, putting those ashes on the forehead. And I, I feel like it's talking about God replacing that symbol of, of that deep mourning of ashes and replacing it with a beautiful headdress. And to me, that speaks of identity. When Becca died, I even wanted to introduce myself as, hi, I'm Laura, and my daughter died. I mean, I just felt like that's who I was. That's, yeah, that yeah. was my identity. But that's not who we are, is it? No, it's not. And and again, that's that falls again under that whole thing where only we come to that in our own right. Yeah, you know, that's how we identify ourselves. You know, I just wish that I 
I always wish that I had those answers for people, but you, you just, you come to that, but you know what, Laura, I think it's important that we go through that process. We have mm-hmm. to go through that process of, okay, there might be a time period where I do identify as, you know, I'm Aubrey's mother and she died, you know, there's mm-hmm. times that I'd like to get on the rooftop and shout that to everybody, yes. you know? Yes. And, and, and I think that there's just these, 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 thought processes that we have to have in our own right and that in our own right we come to a different place with those mm-hmm. and we will yeah and it's just a matter of when and how but it, it I tell people you know there's hope and you have to yes. hold on to hope that you will you know if these thoughts are driving you crazy and you're not being able to reconcile in the time frame that you think you should reconcile that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you right just that maybe you need a little bit longer maybe you need some other things that come into your life and for me, I do believe that part of that, you know, you talk about rise from the ashes. I really believe that that God puts those people in our lives or those things in our lives that helps us to do that. And those are the blessings that yes. he gives us through our yes. loss. And, and so, and again, in the midst of it, we don't see any, those things as blessings, but that they, I try and assure people that they are, mm-hmm. you know, that God will provide, God will put that, even if it's one person, he will yes. put that one person in your path. And you will be meant to have met that person. And that's going to make a difference for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a, like a seed that's dormant in the ground and the nourishment is coming, but you don't see anything happening to that seed for quite some time. Yeah. Even the seed itself before it even starts breaking out of the shell. I mean, it's getting the nourishment it needs mm-hmm. and it takes a long time for that seed to actually work its way through the dirt and pop up <laughs> back yeah. into the light but it doesn't mean that nothing's happening just because right. we can't see it happening. I remember, you know, too, Laura, I think a big part of that too, is that you can't see it because you're so overwhelmed with the grief. Yes. You know, there's a lot that we can't see during those time periods is because we truly are so overwhelmed with the mm-hmm. grief. We're not able to. Right. And, and, you know, and I tell people, you know, they say, Oh, everyone says it's a matter of time, you know, time heals all wounds. And I tell them, you know what, it's not the time that heals Mm-mm. the wounds. It's what you're doing during it's- that time. Exactly. And that's a really important point to, 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 you know, emphasize for people. It's that time. And that is the grief work. And that is the grief journey is what you're doing with that time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. Yep. I say the same thing. It's, it's not the time that heals the wounds. It's what we do in that time. Yeah. And yep. Doing the grief work. I remember hearing a line I heard in a song recently, and it said something like when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty. And when all I see is the cross, you see the empty tomb. And it's like, God's not about going to let the death of our child be the final word in the end of the story, is he? No, he's not. Yeah. I I mean, his, I, I like to say his specialty is bringing life from death. And I'm talking about our death. When we feel like we died, like I said, they just forgot to bury us. God's specialty is bringing life from death and bringing beauty from ashes. And he's, he's not done. He's, he's not done in any way. Uh, Lynn, what are some of those things that are now beautiful in your life? Not in spite of Aubrey's death, but because of her short two hour and nine minute life. Uh, You know, you talk about, there's so many things I've had so many blessings in my life that are all because of my loss and my experience of, of the grief and, and all that, you know, my life work has been just completely devoted to working with other families. And so I think that those are all of my blessings is, 
you know, there's so many times that I talk to it to, to somebody and they're telling me, you know, all oh, you've done all this for me and you've been so helpful. And I think to myself, I've done nothing but be there. Mm-hmm. And I would not have been able and I would not have been there if Aubrey had not lived and died. Yes. There's just there's no way. So I look at all those things, you know, that all the blessings and all the families and all the paths that I've been able to cross. And you know, I'm no special, more special than any one of us, but I just feel that you know, experience the loss of Aubrey, like I said, put me into this whole different path in life. And it truly has, you know, at this point, you know, when I look at the thousands of people that Mm -hmm. I've worked with in in over 30 years, that, that has to be, again, that's, that's her legacy. And and I've only been able to do all of that Mm -hmm. because of her. I mean, it's it's enormous, you know, and Mm -hmm. how the, the numbers of people and the number of opportunities that I've had to be with grieving families, you know, whether it's one-on-one or a workshop or a holiday program, whatever it is, all those hundreds, like I said, thousands of people, I never would have, never would have crossed those paths. Right. So, I mean, there's gotta be something to be said about that, you know, and it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, Aubrey died and I, and, and I've lived all these years without her. And it doesn't take away from the fact that I grieve deeply for her. But if these are things that I look at, you know, when I said to you just a couple minutes ago, that I really believe that that's how God works in our lives is that he puts those people in our lives that are somehow going to help us through it. Yes. And I feel that that's exactly what he's done in my life is to put me in people's lives to help them through it. However, however that that happens. Yeah. There's a a verse. I can't remember if it's in Isaiah. I should know where it is, but it's a precious verse to me because it talks about how God will give us treasures that are hidden in the darkness. And I feel like the bereaved parents that God puts in my path and in my life are the treasures that are hidden in the darkness. Yeah. So listeners, we see you as treasures. <laughs> yes, that's right. Laura. We are honored and privileged. For, yes. Yeah. And you can say the same for your life. What you've done, the people whose whose lives you touched would never have happened right. if, if you hadn't lost back. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would that. not be doing I mean, this podcast. Just, Nobody would be listening no, to me right I now. Know, that's right. And so <laughs> would I got, rather have Becca back? Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to say it personally, that, but I, anybody, but you know, I was, was going to say that, you know, and I'm like, no, I, yeah, I, obviously, I mean, if there's any way that we can have mm-hmm. our children back, obviously, we would want them there right in front of us. So, but we are going to see them again one That's day. That's right. And this I, is not, not permanent. You know, uh. as much as, you know, we, I will be on this, this earth as long as the good Lord lets me be on this earth. Mm-hmm. But I tell anybody who knows me, do not shed one tear when I die because. <laughs> just imagine me just getting to heaven hopefully and God just handing me that child and saying yes. you know, I mm-hmm. mean I, I just hang on to that every single day. Yes. And, and that's that just that's what it yes. was gonna be. And yes. Death is not the end. It is no. not the end. When God made man he formed Adam from dust and then he bent down and he breathed his very breath into the nostrils to give life. We see that in Genesis 2:7. God still gives life from the dust and the ashes. And this all this here is just temporary. Yes, right. So thankful for that. So before we go on, I realized another I'm going to wrap this up, but I just I realized another translation that I saw right before we got on said that he will give a garland for our ashes. And to me, a garland makes me think of like those first Olympians who won, you know, their event, they would get this garland, this wreath on their heads. And that speaks of victory. 
And so I think that's just a, a great way to kind of wrap things up is there's there's still victory beyond the ashes too. You know, life can be good again. Lynn, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I think basically, again, to hold on to that hope and know that, you know, look at us as examples of people who have gone through loss and grief, exactly of what, maybe not exactly, but the, the grief that they're in and look to us and say, you know what, look at what we're doing. How do we do what we're doing? You know, we had to have gotten to a point where now we do have joy in our lives. We're able right. to help other people. So I, I just, I just think, you know, holding on to that hope that yes, you're going to have those days that are horrible. And I can't tell you how you're going to get through those, but you will. Mm-hmm. You just have to hold on to that hope. And, and that at, at the end, there's no end, but at the other side of that, yeah, you can, you can be like us and enjoy mm-hmm. life, but yet that'll always be there. Like you said, it's that underlying current. It's, it'll always yes. be there, but it won't always control your life. It won't always control your thoughts, but it'll be there. And we find ways to continue to stay connected with our loved ones in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, ultimately one of the goals of, of when we grieve, we need to, you know, where the rest of the world is telling you, get over it, mm-hmm. you know, to put yourself through that. We need to find ways to help us to feel connected to them. And I have to, I can speak for myself. And I think you can say the same, that the work that I do has continually kept me connected to Aubrey. Yes. You know, and, and I think that's, that's what we ultimately do is mm-hmm. to hang on to that hope and maintain that connection, whatever that, however that is meaningful to us. Right. And it's going to look different for every single one of it us. Is. We're not yeah. saying you're going to end up with something like we're doing, walking with exactly. other parents. It, right. It's going to look different, but whatever helps you feel connected. And it probably will be doing something for someone in some way, whether it's a scholarship of some kind or something, yeah. but hang on to the hope and, and hang on to the legacy that, that uh, that you can leave for your child. So Lynn, how can people get connected with you? Well, they can reach me through, well, I have my website, Morning Discoveries. I mean, that's really more or less, I, I work for funeral homes. I don't think I've said that, but um, I've worked for funeral homes for all these years as well. So, I mean, you're welcome to share my phone number and my email. Okay. Um, and with anybody, they can call me, they can email me, and I'd be happy to, to talk to anybody who feels they want to reach out just have a chat. All I right. tell people, you can call, we can talk about the weather. That'll help you to pick up that phone. <laughs> you can tell me what the weather is on your end and I'll tell you what it's on my end. Then we'll talk. We'll go there, there you go. There you yeah. go. So we'll yeah. put that in the show notes for everyone. So yeah. at the very least, even if we do not see God right now, exchanging our ashes for beauty while we're still here on earth, we have Romans 8.18, which is, um, I love this verse because it tells us that our suffering here cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed. And I feel like that's got to be some glory if it's so incredible. It can't even be compared to the depth of our pain and suffering here. So whether we get it here or whether we're finally there with our child, he will give us a crown of beauty for the ashes. Yes, he will. Lynn, before I let you go, I want our listeners to know about the grief cruise, which we kind of talked about a little bit mentioned with the burials at sea. And so please tell our listeners about the grief cruise. Uh, Yeah. So we have our next sailing is October 1st to the 8th, 2023. Um, And and we are a group of people who come together on a cruise ship and spend that time as a group. Um, We have seminars that are held on the days that we're out to sea. And we just offer workshops and sessions that can help you to learn how to better cope with your grief. 
Um, and Laura, you've experienced it. I think we all yes. connect on a level that, you know, we know that we're amongst a group of people who are experiencing loss and grief, but yet then after we're done with our sessions, we go and we have dinner together and we enjoy all the amenities of the ship. We enjoy the ports of call. And it really truly is an example of living what I had just said, learning how to live with grief and joy together. Mm -hmm. And yes. on this ship, that's what we can do. And there's a lot to be said about being on the ocean, overlooking mm -hmm. the ocean. Yes. You know, it's so healing. And, and, you know, people come back and tell us that it was just the best thing that they've ever yes. done. And it really is a very special cruise. And, and like I said, our next one is October 1st to the 8th. Um, we are going to be on the brand new Wonder of the Sea ship with Royal Caribbean, which we're really excited about mm -hmm. that. Yes. Um, and so we have a great ship that we're going to be on. We have, um, private meeting space. You know, we have space that's just for our group. We don't have people walking in and out. So we do have that private meeting space. Um, we create a memory wall for our loved ones, which I think is one of the more special yes. things that we do. Um, we put that up and then we have our remembrance ceremony. We do a walk mm -hmm. to remember. Um, we do have families who requested burials at sea. We do have a limited number that we can do. So there is a limit to that as far as Royal Caribbean is concerned. And it just is a week of healing. It is just a it week is. of healing and hope and you and I think it, it it touches all three parts of us, body, soul, and spirit. Yes, it, it just does. it just brings a measure of healing in all three areas of our lives. I know when some of the listeners may know this already, but when Becca died, it was like ten weeks after she died through a, a series of events. I ended up on a cruise, and it was absolutely wonderful. It, it like you said, it was like the best thing that could have happened because I didn't have to think about anything except the grief work. <laughs> Um, and I could cry. I could go watch a jazz band if I wanted to. Yeah. It was just, I, I could just do whatever I needed to do in the moment to grieve. But I also had the opportunity to be surrounded by beauty and the ports of call. And it was just, it was wonderful. So yeah. I want to encourage the listeners. It doesn't hurt to check it out, guys. Yeah, and yeah. they're still doing payment plans, right? Yeah, we okay. still the Royal Caribbean will take monthly payment plans up until yep. January or January, July 1st of 2023. So we've got plenty of time. Yep. I mean, as you know, we're approaching the year of it's going to be a year away, which I can't believe it's already I that. Know it. Yes. Where you know we walking on their ship. Welcome <laughs> everybody on board. So okay. if yeah. you want, if you want to find out more, just go to gpshope.org slash cruise and you'll see all the information there. And then there's a, a button you can click on to register. You're not signing up for the cruise. What you're doing is you're registering to get more personal information from Lynn. So that's you'll right. be talking to her. <laughs> that's yeah, another that's way to right. get her phone number. How's that? that that's <laughs> check out the you know, that's a, a good point to make too, is that I love when people call because they need information so that they can make the best decision for themselves. Because yes. it's a lot of information and, and I'm happy to give that to people and hope that they decide to join us. Mm -hmm. so, yes, yeah. yes. So thank you again, Lynn, for joining me today in this talk. And uh, hopefully many of our listeners will get to meet and spend time with both of us. on this both cruise of us, that's right. Yes, in yeah. October of 2023. So thanks, Lynn. Uh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Before sharing this week's birthdays, I just want to remind you about the Hope for Your Health webinar. I'll be doing it live this Thursday night, October 13th. If you are like me, I let my health go for way too long because I just didn't care. And I don't want you to go as long as I did before taking care of yourself again, because the longer you wait, the worse it gets. And then it can be completely overwhelming, which makes us give up even trying to become healthy again. 
If you want to hear more about this topic, listen to last week's episode. And if you want to join me live in a discussion about our health after child loss, just go to gpshope.org slash health webinar to have the Zoom link sent to you. And I will also put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, now to the birthday segment. Joshua Nicholson was born on October 9th and left us at age 29. Niam Deloach was born on October 10th and left us at age 20. Jeff Dunkelman was born on October 10th and left us at age 53. James Fielding was born on October 10th and left us at age 28. Laura Rodriguez was born on October 10th and left us at age 33. Mitchell Ang was born on October 12th and left us at age 17. Isaac Kajokarescu was born on October 14th and left us at age 10. We celebrate the day that these children came into the world. It will always be a special day for these families. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out that form, and there is a place for pronunciation. If their name sometimes is, is mispronounced, either the first name or the last name, because I really do want to be able to say it correctly, so fill that part out also. And the week of his or her birthday, we will go ahead and announce it. And Dave will send you an email to remind you of that, to listen to the podcast that week. I want to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to you. I'm going to be reading this from the Message Bible. And it says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And it's true. I know for a lot of you, you cannot imagine getting out of this darkness. You cannot imagine God turning these ashes into a, a place of beauty, the, the place of sorrow and pain and sadness, turning this into a crown of beauty in your life. But that's where this verse comes in, especially for us as bereavers, that when we can't imagine it, when we can't think it's even possible, God can, because he goes beyond what we can see. He goes beyond what we can feel. He goes beyond what we think is possible, and he will do it by working gently within you. I love that. Let me pray over you. Lord, as bereavers, sorrow and mourning will remain a part of our lives for as long as we're here on earth and we miss our children. God, you never promised that our faith would protect us from trials and suffering, but you've promised to be with us always, even in this valley of death. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that you can do the impossible. You can do above and beyond what we can ask or imagine or think. And not only can you do it, but you want to do it and you will do it as we just continue crying out to you. 
And I thank you for that, that you are at work in each one of us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, next week, we are going to be talking about God's assurance that no destructive force in your life is greater than his power to be able to exchange your deep mourning for joy. We're going to be talking to two friends of ours that live in Florida. You will enjoy them. And you are going to be able to hear from the two ladies who introduced me to the phrase you hear me say every week. Hold on. Pain eases. There is 